Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And in case you missed last week's episode, like Devin, uh, we had some exciting news that we announced last week. We are joining the Rum Runners Podcast Network. Um, so do us a favor and check out their website, which I just put in the uh, the chat here. Uh, to find out more about their podcast. Our site is going to be updated soon. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I just wanted to give them a quick little plug uh, and remind Devin that we're doing that because he decided not to be here last week. So <laughs> I think it's only like you made this decision like without me and you're like, surprise, Devin, here it surprise, is. Devin. Uh, <laughs> Rum runners. So, uh, Devin, how, how was your week? Where were you? It was wonderful. I was in the Dutch wilderness. It was great. Uh, I, you know, genuinely... I, I didn't look at a screen almost the entire week, except for about two hours of my life, which we are absolutely going to have to talk about a little bit later on this podcast. Okay. But otherwise, I abstained from screens. I read books. I wrote. It was wonderful. Very nice. Yeah. Um, what did Ryan, I miss? Ryan, uh, you didn't miss much. No? <laughs> we talked about uh, my cousin Vinny. <clears throat> I saw that. That made me very happy. Have you I seen do that? like that movie? Have you, you, I have. I had it, so. You hadn't? No. I like that movie. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, how have you been? I've been okay. Oh. Ryan, what's wrong? No, nothing. I've, I've just been okay. I didn't mean okay. any, like. <laughs> if there was inflection, it wasn't uh-huh. meant. It wasn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I spent the weekend celebrating my brother's 21st birthday. I saw uh, pictures. Yes. Um, so happy belated birthday to my brother, friend of the show, Noah. And a happy birthday to my mom, who is probably not watching this, but it's my mom's birthday. So if you if you uh, are friends with my mom on Facebook, go wish her a happy birthday. Um, Aw. Friend of the show, Jolene. Yeah. Uh, mom of the show, Jolene. Mom of the show. Right. She should be watching, though. Yeah. Um, We're listening. So yeah, uh, before we get into our show proper, we're a movie podcast. Uh, we talk about movies every week. We make each other watch movies that one of us hasn't seen before. Um, and I think we just we have to talk about the big movie news from today, which is the Oscar nominations came out. Um, and I want to do some. I want to do something for the Oscars this year. So maybe it'll be like a uh, we'll live stream a watch along or something. Oh, like, fun. Like, like we'll do, we're going to do something for the Oscars. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what yet. Um, I just thought of it. So stay tuned for that. But I figured we'd talk a little bit about the nominations because uh, there's some interesting things in here. Um, I think there's only one movie nominated that we actually talked about on the show. <laughs> uh, that sounds about right. But uh, what, what categories do you want to start with? guys i mean can we just start with best picture because it's at the top i mean for me it's at the bottom but yeah we can do that yeah i'm on the official official oh i'm on the the independent it's my bad okay so yeah we can start with best picture that's the big one um let's go i'll I'll go through them in the order they have Mm -hmm. them here i think i guess it's alphabetical order uh the nominees for best picture this year are belfast which was directed by Kenneth Branagh, uh, Coda. Don't look up the Adam McKay Netflix uh, climate change allegory. 
Drive My Car, which is the first Japanese film to be nominated for an Os- for a Best Picture Oscar. Wow. Uh, Dune, which is based on the book Dune. Uh, <laughs> King Richard, which is based off of Venus and Serena Williams' dad. Uh, oh, wait, really? Yeah, he's King Richard. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, genuinely thought this was Shakespeare. No. Have you seen the previews for, for it? No. Genuinely, the only- the- that yeah. explains it. That explains yeah. it. The only way I would watch Will Smith in Shakespeare is if G- DJ Jazzy Jeff was there with him. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. And they did a revival of Rosencrantz and Gildestern are dead. Yep. Done. Hollywood, get on it. Um, Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Jane Champion directed The Power of the Dog. And Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Those are all your best picture nominations. Guys, how many of those films have you guys have you have you seen? Zero. Genuinely zero. Oh, one. I saw one. I saw Don't Look Up. That was it. I okay. saw Dune. How many have you seen, Alan? I've seen two. Is it Don't Look Up and Dune? No, it's uh Don't Look Up. And the one that I'm going to make us watch for next week. Is it Power of the Dog? Maybe. Oh, yeah, I hope I, so, because I'm a cumber I, I, bitch. I saw Power of the Dog on Netflix, and it, it's interesting. I don't want to talk okay. I don't want to talk about it at all. But I've seen it and I want to get your thoughts on it. So those are the all best right. picture nominees. Does anything there jump out at you? You know, I keep hearing about West Side Story and how good it is, and I've seen the original and don't believe anyone. And I'm sure that it's better than I think it is, but I don't know. It's a hard sell for me to want to watch that movie. Yeah. I've heard great things about Belfast, which is based on Kenneth Branagh's uh, childhood. Like it's kind of a autobiography film that he wrote and directed. He broke the record for single nominations in a single year. Good for him. Uh, So I'm interested in that. I've heard great things about Coda. Um. I don't know about that one. Coda is about a a daughter of a deaf couple who uh, embraces singing. And and her parents kind of push back against it. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I, uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I get a bit jaded on it. So (laughs) So I look at this list and I look at it and I'm like, okay, so all these movies deserve to be here i saw dune but that's not going to win this because i know how these things tend to work and to me in my jaded point of view it's it's really between don't look up and west side story i don't think don't look up has a chance i've seen plenty of films that i also don't think ever has a chance but because of who's in it it gets weight all right, that's fair. So well, there's a lot of people it, and don't look up. It, it, so I truly believe it's between those two movies because of who's behind and who's in both of them. I mean, you, that that's a good point. But the, the thing is, like, Meryl Streep's in that movie and she didn't get nominated this year, uh, which is weird uh, that Meryl yeah, Streep was in a movie and wasn't nominated. Um, didn't she play more of like a comedic character instead of like a straight one? They I mean, were all kind of that, though. She was nominated for uh, one of those singing movies that she did. So I, I think into they just the woods, it, right? Not even that one. It was uh, Forrest Foster Jenkins. Oh, oh yeah. Um, 
But anyway, so even though she's not nominated, here are the uh, lead uh, best actress in a supporting role. You mm-hmm. got Jesse Buckley from The Lost Daughter, uh, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, oh. Kirsten Dunst for Power of the Dog, and Aquane Elise for King Richard. Um, I can. Like I've only seen Power of the Dog, and I don't know if uh, if Kirsten Dunst can take take an award away from Judy Dench because it's no. Dame Dooley, Judy Dench. Oh, so. Dame Judy Dench. No, sorry, she's got this category on um, lockdown. Supporting actor. Uh, why did I decide to go with the supporting actors? Because I they have so many names I can't pronounce. Uh, <laughs> Cody Smith McKee for Power of the Dog. J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos, because uh, he was in that. Jesse Plemons for Power of the Dog. Troy Coaster, Kotzer for uh, Coda. And mm-hmm. Kyrian Hins for Belfast. Um, Yeah, I can't really say anything on any of those. Uh, well, I guess uh, it's interesting. That, it's always interesting to me when you have two actors from the same movie. Uh, and yeah. uh, Power of the Dog, I think Cody Smith-McKee stands a good chance of beating out Jesse Plemons at least. Uh because Jesse Plemons. Uh. Um and then you have the actress in the leading role. Mm-hmm. Uh Jessica Chastain for the Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, which was just playing in town here and I missed it because I didn't know oh. what it was. Uh Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos and Kirsten Stewart for Spencer, where she played Princess Di. I feel like Kristen Stewart's going to win for that just based on the pictures I've seen. Like, it looks like they did, like, almost photograph-accurate Princess Diana for that. Yeah. Which, I mean, good. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts on the actress categories? I No, not really. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, like, like I said, I don't, like... Um, this would be like if we were running through MVP the nominees for okay. the NBA to yeah. me. Like I don't okay. follow the NBA, so I don't know any of the players. Like I, right. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, one of the ones for the last category we'll talk about for the Oscars. Okay. Um, so in the actor in a leading role, you have Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Uh, he played uh, Desi Arnaz, Benedict Cumberbatch for power of the dog, uh, Andrew Garfield for tick, tick, boom. Will Smith for King Richard and Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah, I. Oh. I'm glad Andrew Garfield got nominated. Yes. I enjoy his performance more than I enjoy Benedict Cumberbatch and Power of the Dog. I don't know if he can be out Denzel Washington in, in Shakespeare. That's a tough one. Um, so I, I'll have to watch tragedy of, of Macbeth. Um, yeah. Tick, tick, boom. That's the only nomination it got. That's a shame. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised, uh, that other musicals didn't get more nominations like in the Heights. Um, like I haven't seen Encanto yet, but the the song that got nominated from Encanto surprised me. 
I don't I don't agree with it. I mean, it wasn't the one that made the Billboard top ten, but like again, I understand. No, that's number one not on what the Billboard charts, but we don't yeah. talk we don't talk about Bruno. Um, <laughs> I. You know what? I'm going to say that I really appreciate Hollywood's restraint for being the Ricardos not being nominated for Best Picture. Good job. Because usually just self-referential isn't Hollywood great and quirky movies that make it. And, like, it's not that. Was it nominated for – because it was Sorkin, so I'm curious. Was it nominated for screenplay? Well, because I want to watch that movie so bad because I love Sorkin. And I like the story of the Ricardos and like, I've seen like their building on the Paramount lot, like in like, I've seen like their stuff on the Paramount lot before. Not nominated for a screenplay. Wow. That doesn't make any sense. Sorkin's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know this one, so I'm judging it before I even know it, but. Um, yeah. So that, those are the Oscar nominations for this year. Um, Let's see. Anything going on in the chat? No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Hold on. The vis- so best visual effects, I do have yes. to ask. So best visual effects is Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi, and Spider-Man. I've seen a good portion of these. I think I'm going to give it to Spider-Man being incredibly biased about all of this. I, I mean... <sighs> Dune. Yeah, for for me, it's a toss up between Spider Man and Dune. There's not really much in No Time to Die that's really that really stands out as special effects. The Um, end bit, probably. Even then, it's just a (laughs) Bond movie with explosions. It's nothing. Ain't fair. It's not like they're de aging Daniel Craig and giving him uh, robotic tentacles or anything, or made him uh, a giant sandworm. And that's kind of like, and that's kind of the angle I'm going when it comes to Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, 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 I feel like it's a real contender out of that, like, bunch to win it. My problem Mm. is that what in that movie, effects-wise, has been done in other Marvel movies? Like, it's more or less just a combination of effects seen in other Marvel movies in the past and not something that's truly, like, its own thing. Well, well, I would say the tentacles are CGI this time. The first time that they did Doc Ock, they were right. puppets with very minimal uh, CGI. Um, I think the scale in which they play with the universe cracking is probably new. So a lot of the Doctor Strange stuff is, is like we've seen Doctor Strange's portals before because mm-hmm. like a lot. But we haven't really seen more of his magic outside of that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, at, at the same time, Shang, Shang-Chi is nominated here. And there's a lot of cool things in Shang-Chi that I liked visually. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, and, and honestly, that's one I haven't seen yet. So, I mean, I don't know if, if, if from, I don't know if I, I do not know from seeing it myself, how like unique its special effects are compared to everything else that they've done in the MCU so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was watching, you know, No Way Home, given that, yes, the tentacles are CGI and the whole, like, universe cracking thing, those are unique and done for, like, the first time in this one. But there's other mm-hmm. aspects to that that have been done that's kind of similar in the other movies. But in Dune, 
there are things that they did on there are things that they did in Dune that they relied on puppets in the first one that they hit home runs on in that one. So that's yeah. that's why I'm like I'm looking at that and I'm just like my gut's saying Dune. If Free Guy gets it, I'm I, I'll I'll uh, I'll toss a brick through a window. Somewhere. Have any of you seen Free Guy? No, I'm really not interested. Is it <laughs> not good? That's the fine. Inter- the internet has spoiled the best parts of Free Guy for me. So oh, not me yet. Uh, all right, so let's move on to uh, the opposite, the bizarre version of the Oscars, if you will. And that is the Golden Razzie nominations also came out. Uh, I just want to do a few quick highlights here. And then we're going to, Ryan, you and I are going to play a game. Okay. (laughs) Um, So for best, for, I'm sorry, for worst picture, the nominees are Diana, the musical, the Netflix version, because I guess they filmed it and put it on Netflix. Gross. Uh, Infinite. Uh, Karen, which I think they're calling Karen. That's what they call Corella in these for some reason. So Corella, oh. Space Jam, A New Legacy, and The Woman in the Window. <laughs> Please uh, let it be between Space Jam and the and the and the, 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 the woman in the window. Wow, Is that I not good? That one out. The woman in the window. Isn't it just like a satire? I just get really crappy vibes from all of the advertisement I've seen of that movie. Sure. It's fair. <laughs> uh, okay, then worst actor you have Scott Eastwood for Dangerous, uh, Roe Hermankoff for Diana the mm-hmm. Musical, LeBron James, uh, SP winner LeBron James for Space Jam: A New Legacy, Ben mm-hmm. Platt for Dear Evan Hansen, uh, and Mark Wahlberg for Infinite. Uh, okay, so if space jam doesn't win worst picture lebron james needs to win worst actor because i, I like know. him i like the guy but at the same time uh, no <laughs> i don't know man it you guys gotta watch dear evan hansen then like if if for any reason just to like understand the performance that he gives because i mean he's essentially like a 40 year old singing to 10 year olds about how much he loves them and it like it just oh it's so weird yeah but see uh... the thing is your your description sounds like he was going for that when LeBron James mm-hmm. was there's nothing worse than seeing like a sports celebrity try to actually act and not land it. <laughs> Here's what kills me is LeBron was wonderful in that movie that Alan had us watch that one rom-com with yeah, yeah. Train. That's he was the he, best part of the movie. That's because he was playing himself kind of and it was only in a few parts. He, he wasn't was trying all... to carry the whole thing. <laughs> he also he also wasn't acting against green screen. Um, for the most that's, part, that's true. Yeah, there there, there were yeah. there were moments where Bill Hader was like, "I don't want to be in this green screen." Me. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, hope yeah. so. So worst actress, and then we're gonna get to our game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Adams and Woman in the Window. Mm. Jaina Dewall and Diana the Musical. Megan Fox in Midnight in the Switchgrass, T- Taryn Manning in Karen, and Ruby Rose in Vanquish. Okay, so regardless of how bad any of them are, I just think the fact that Megan Fox has been been has been in the news recently for what she's been in the news for, I feel like she's going to win it more for that than her actual bad acting skills. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good. Okay, so now we're going to play a game, Ryan. Devin already okay. knows the answer to this question. So I'm going to read you off the, the nominees for this category, and I need you to tell me what the category's name is. Okay? Yeah, fine. All right. Uh, Bruce Willis in American she- Siege. Bruce okay. Willis in Apex. Okay. Bruce Willis in Comic Sin. Cosmic Sin. Uh, okay. Bruce Willis in Deadlock. Okay. Bruce Willis in Fortress. Bruce Willis in Midnight in the Switchgrass. Okay. Bruce Willis in Out of Death. And okay. Bruce Willis in Survive the Game. What's the name of the Ryan, category? Yeah, Ryan, what is the name of the category of those fil- for those films? Bruce Willis's best films? <laughs> <laughs> There's no best uh, at the Razzies. Well, I mean, it would be if they were trying to be sarcastic. It would be. Um, Bruce Willis's worst performance. In a 2021 movie. In a 2021 movie. (laughs) Those are all movies that came out last year with Bruce Willis. (laughs) He's in so much. I find it funny that they wanted to give him a Razzie so bad that they made a, like, his they, they made his own category for it <laughs> i i'm gonna be honest i absolutely love the worst screen combo category i was gonna to, i was just gonna yeah. you, you want to read those ones off i would be delighted so the worst screen combo are any klutzy cast member and and any lamely chorusized or choreographed musical number in diana the musical LeBron James and any Warner cartoon character or Time Warner product he dribbles on in Space Jam A New Legacy, Jared Leto, and either his 17-pound latex face, his geeky clothes, or his ridiculous accent in House of Gucci, Ben Platt, and any other character who acts like Ben Platt singing 24-7 is normal from Dear Evan Hansen, and Tom and Jerry, a.k.a. Itchy and Scratchy from Tom and Jerry. Um... I love this. Again, I want to go with LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. LeBron James. I now want to see House of Gucci so much more. I just want to get it out there. I'm not crapping on Space Jam. I'm not. I, I actually enjoyed it. And if kids like it as much as we when you know we were kids and uh, and we liked the first one, let them watch it. Don't crap on it for them. I just yeah. like dumping on LeBron. <laughs> just like, you like dumping on Re- Le- LeBron? I wasn't. I wasn't going to go for the pun. I wasn't going to go there. That's that's all I do. Uh, All right. I think that does it for our uh, our Oscar or movie nomination news. Uh, Let us know in the comments what you're rooting for and what you want to see that was nominated, either for an Oscar or for a Razzie. Because I think there's films on both lists that I want to check out still. So me too. um, That being said, Devin, you were you missed a week. You've been got, I mean, we haven't talked to you for two weeks now. It's been a you, while. Have you watched anything good in the last two weeks? I did. So I said I was in front of one screen once this whole last week, and it was specifically to watch Coming to America. The original. I'm happy. The original, not the sequel. I am the, so proud of you on multiple levels for choosing the, the original one and actually watching it on your own. The, <laughs> the way the conversation went was I was in a house full of Romana's family, and they went, something, something, something. And then, like, reference the reference the thing. And I went, I don't know what that's from. And they go, it's from Coming to America. Definitely. I don't know what that is. And they're like, 
coming to America. I'm like, I, I missed Eddie Murphy's comedy career. And they're like, fine, we're putting it on now. And I Good. had no choice. They put it on and made me watch it. Finally, you know what? You married into the right family. <laughs> <laughs> I it's think about that time. a lot. <laughs> it's about time something, you know, there's a group of people in your actual physical life that, act, that, that like, does this stuff for you. Uh, their next big mountain for me is Leslie Nielsen's entire career. Good, as it should be. I haven't, I haven't seen anything Leslie Nielsen's been in. Really? Not a single movie. Not Dracula Dead and Loving It, not the Naked Gun movies, not Airplane, not... Surely you can't be serious. I know Bob makes that joke. My stepdad makes that joke, and that's the only thing I know from a movie. Uh, but oh, no, I, I love coming to America. It was amazing. It was funny. I know this is not a hot take or even a newer original take. I want to see the sequel. There's no way it could be as bad as everyone says it is. But I really, really like it. I just want to see those characters again, to be honest. Yeah. I haven't seen the original in the, in years. Um, so I need to go back and revisit that. So It's good. I, S- I Since we're not going to do it for the show now. Um, yeah. We'll just have to watch it on our own time, but I'll watch it again any day of the week. Yeah. I love it. I'll have to check I that one out. you would like it. I, I will say, the only thing I had about the movie, the only comment I had was that 80s mustaches sure age people. Like, Eddie Murphy had an 80s mustache. I'm like, he's either 10 or 40, I guess. But apparently he was turning 21. But, like, I would have believed he was early 40s. The Ben, ben Platt it. method. Exactly. The Ben Platt method. But no, uh, wonderful movie. Keep up the good work, Eddie okay. Murphy. Uh, I watched some stuff. I can't remember which one I put in at first. Oh, so there's a new show on Netflix I wanted to tell you guys about called Murderville. <gasps> Is it good? I've watched the first episode of Murderville. Ryan, have you heard of this? No. Okay. It's a murder procedural show starring Will Arnett. Mm-hmm. You know who Will Arnett is, right? Yes. Okay. He plays a detective in every episode. They have a guest star come on. And the guest star is not given a script. And they have to improvise (laughs) everything that happens in the episode. While everyone else has a script. The first episode, the guest star is Conan O'Brien. Oh, my God. Uh, He'd be perfect for something like that, though. Yeah. Uh, So the first episode revolves around a magician's assistant who actually got sawed in half. (laughs) <laughs> and they have to solve the murder and like who who switched out the saws. Um it's based on a British show that has the same concept of the guest star not getting the script. But some other guest stars are like Ken Jeong, uh Kamal oh. Najiani, um I can't remember who else. I can't really see them that well from the uh picture here. Mm-hmm. Um it looks like Sharon Stone's on it. Wow. Um, yeah. So like, but just the way that like Will Arnett's like leaning into some bits just to make Conan break. And it's hysterical. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend this. It's a lot of fun and different. And uh, um, Will Arnett's rocking the 80s mustache. So he is. I absolutely love Will Arnett. I cannot wait to watch this now. Yeah. I didn't know that was the premise. So I, I'm so excited for this. Oh, yeah. This is right up your alley. Yeah. 100%. Uh, like, if you were still in L.A., you might be able to get a part in the show. 
Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Moving uh, back. Right. What have you been watching lately? Well, um, I went through a binge of like rewatching, uh, uh, next generation of the past couple months like whenever mm-hmm. I had time and that ended a few days ago so I'm like you know I want to either rewatch something or start something new that's old and just kind of like run through it and I've never watched The Simpsons from beginning to end there's mm-hmm. a huge there there's there there's more seasons that I haven't seen of The Simpsons than seasons I've seen stuff from and I've never watched it through so like i don't know what episode i saw was from what season because i haven't okay. seen it coll- uh, c- collectively and right now i'm at like episode uh four or five of season two mm-hmm. and about like three days ago i started like uh going through um just started at episode one and ran through it and i'm starting to realize that my earliest tv memories is watching um i think it was either episode two or three of the simpsons of season two which one is that yeah the one uh it was the one where they accidentally drive into the monster truck rallying the car gets chewed up by the uh, robot dinosaur <laughs> yep so there's that i it's like it's like I, I was watching the episode i'm like i remember this episode from when i was like six um or seven D- definitely prior definitely prior to like 94 93 and um then the other scene happened that i have a a real memory of that like where the news reporter uh investigative Mm -hmm. reporter shows up and finds the three-eyed fish and causes mr burns to run for uh uh uh, for governor or mayor Mm -hmm. governor um and Bart Simpson turns around and says, I'm Bart, who the hell are you? I remember yeah. my parents, like, after that episode, like, really heavily talking, like, in front of me, like, saying, should we be letting him watch this show? <laughs> um, and then I also remember, like, it being talked about on the news after that episode. That, that like, for some reason, that that's the episode that, like, caught the media's attention of the show. Um, so it's, like, I'm getting to that point where, like, now I'm watching these episodes. I'm like, oh, yeah. Homer was a mascot for like the local team and then went up to the majors and like it failed and, <laughs> and, and they had to move back to the, uh, uh, to Springfield. So yeah, I'm starting that journey. So 30 years worth of TV. So 30, how is it? What? the, the, the... I, I mean, aside, so aside from it, obviously being nostalgic, like, does it hold up? Like, yeah, I'd if say somebody who's up. never I seen mean, Simpsons. Some... Okay. Yeah. If someone's never seen the Simpsons before, and you go into it and say, look, it's the first couple seasons of a show. It's lasted for 30 years. There's going to be some stuff they're just going to go eh at, but it's going, you know, but other than that, there's going to be other moments where you're going to like really laugh at it. Mm-hmm. And are there dated references? Yes, because yeah. it was like 91, 92. I mean, <laughs> I mean but it, yeah, but it holds yeah. up. Yeah, it holds up. It definitely holds up it's weird watching the first season of the Simpsons because like you, you see like the baseline for all of these characters, like, like Sideshow Bob has the first, yeah. his first episode in season one. And mm-hmm. then like, you see how the show's changed since that first season. Like Smithers is, is African American in the first season. Yes. Oh, he is. That's right. Um, uh, Wiggum looks different. Um, yeah. the, the, the like, news reporter and, is like, different too. At, like as you watch the show, 
like you'll hear Dan Castanella's uh, Homer voice get away from the Walter Matthau impression and into Homer Simpson. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so it, it's, I've been rewatching the Simpsons since it came, became available on Disney plus, And I've just gotten to the point where I'm like in the season where they switched to HD. So oh, I'm in like funny. season 21. Um, so it's only taken me two years to get there. So. I, I watch a lot of the Simpsons. Please help. Um, but Ryan, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, are you watching it in full HD on, I'm assuming you're watching on Disney plus. Yeah. Okay. Are you watching it in the full HD or do you watching it in the standard def? Well, standard it def? said I looked online because the opening seems fine. The opening, the, the way it's cut seems fine. But then there's like times where like okay that looks like it's done normally, but then but 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 but, but, but then there's other times where like this has got to be like close up, like this has got to be cut in. Mm. Then- and I've looked, and on my Xbox on the app, I cannot find the selection. But mm. then I read that it's only certain episodes and certain seasons that they did that ratio on. No. Oh. Uh- there, there's a trick to get it to wa- to watch it, and this at least that's how this is how I did it. Uh, if you log into Disney Plus on your computer, you can choose which format you watch the show in, and then it will carry that over on your account to other devices. So unless you're getting the black bars on the side, it's been stretched. And you're yeah, missing, so I'm you're, watching you're it stretched. That. Yeah, I, 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 I would recommend uh, fixing that. I have setting. to get on I, my laptop. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send you the link on the info on how to do that. Um, well, because... I can log into it right after this and figure it out. It's just or, oh, cool. or, I spent time on the... Or if you want to borrow my DVDs, I've got seasons 1 through 15. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, if you well, can't tell, if you can't tell, I like The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> to the point where I am watching like a hawk, the Simpsons arcade machine that they have at Walmart right now. Yeah. For five hundred dollars. Like if I if I hit it rich in the next as long as they have it, I'm getting one of those. Or if they go on clearance, <laughs> I'm buying one of those. But I refuse to pay five hundred dollars for a glorified TV I hope you get and, one. in a ROM emulator. Um Okay. I want you to have it so bad. Uh I wanna I have one more recommendation before we get into Wall Street, and I promise I'll mm-hmm. make it quick because we're okay. running late into the show. Uh, so I don't know if I told you guys about the show before, but I've been watching The Righteous Gemstones on HBO. You mentioned ha- it, yeah. Ha- have uh, have either of you seen this? I know of it. I don't know much about it. I just know that it exists. I've heard someone else talk about it. It, mm. it centers around a... Uh, mega church family that runs the church and like their dad's the pastor. Their mom was like a Christian music child star who passed away a few years ago. So it's like the family family drama dealing with like each other and their egos and like a mm-hmm. uh, criminal element, which is weird. Uh, it stars Danny McBride uh, and John Goodman. Uh, those are the two uh. that I'll talk about. John Goodman in this show is phenomenal. Uh, especially in this last week's episode. I don't want to give anything away, but I'm really enjoying the show. Devin, I think this is right up your alley. Good. Um, Ryan, I don't know if I can recommend this for you as much. <laughs> I think there'll be parts of it you enjoy. Um, but it it's probably my favorite. Like, I, I 
found myself waiting for it to be on HBO to watch it, like at 10 o'clock Sunday nights <laughs> uh, after Euphoria. Like I haven't watched Euphoria yet, but I've, I've, I'm ready for Righteous Gemstones. So It's on HBO, so it's on HBO Max too then? Yes. Ah, uh, good. Okay. This yeah. is I, I now have what I'm going to watch on my flight figured out. Thank nice. you both. You are welcome. <laughs> All right. And that that does it for uh, our we watch this segment. Let's get into today's main topic, and that is the nineteen eighty what I say, seven film Wall Street, which is Ryan's pick for Devin and I to watch. So Ryan Take it away. Okay, so like Alan said, it came out in 1987. It was uh, directed by Oliver Stone and written by Stanley Weiser and Oliver Stone. Uh, the movie is based uh, is is taking um, his dad's experience with being a stockbroker, Oliver Stone's dad with being a stockbroker, um, and taking what he knew from that and the junk bond and insider trading scandal of the early to early mid eighties and pretty much made this movie. (laughs) Um, To me, it is like, I saw this when I was in high school and for the longest time I really was going over in my head. Is this like an actual like negative view of wall street is this with a political agenda which obviously it is but still i really had a hard time trying to find out like is this how this could actually happen is this Mm -hmm. the attitudes you actually find on wall street because for a long time i didn't really care one way or the other but this was kind of you know in my world and so this is where i kind of you know like had, had that battle and then I did some digging in news and reports and some other, you know, fallout in the market has happened in our lifetime. So I pretty much go like, yeah, this is this is a depiction of Wall Street that I will call believable. <laughs> um, so, uh, like I said, I saw it for the first time in high school. I watch it about once every two to three years, simply because this is not a movie that I can just put on and like not pull myself away from. And mm. it's long enough that I don't want to get make myself bored of it either. So. You know, there's that. Um, But I definitely would put this in, like, my top 50 movies that I enjoy. So, um, given that, uh, both of you had never seen this before, right? Correct. Never. Okay, so, Alan, I mean, Devin, you have been really, like, anxious on this. So, I'm going to go to Alan first (laughs) (laughs) to give you time. So, Alan, what did you think? First impressions. Uh, Okay, so... It, it's hard for me to take Charlie Sheen seriously at all <laughs> anymore. Post Tiger Blood and winning, uh, post all that, it's hard for me to take him seriously as an actor. Uh, I was surprisingly impressed with his performance in this. Um, the I mean, I think I knew what the plot of this was just based off of the trailer for the for the sequel that I saw twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew how it was going to end. And I think that kind of took away from it a little bit. Like I knew like who was going to win in the end. Um, and I think my, uh, Michael, du- I almost said Michael Keaton, Michael Douglas does a great job as like the, uh, the villain type. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's just uh, 
not something I would seek out for myself. Understood. I can understand that. But Dr. Cox, like, holy hell. Yeah, that was fun. That. Yeah. Yeah, um, Dr. Cox in this. Uh, little baby Cox. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty, so good. Pretty much. That that was prior to all of his joy getting sucked out of his soul. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what you have for, like, your first impressions? Like, your, pretty much your summary? I would say so. Okay. Devin. I have never seen more garbage people in a single movie than <laughs> I've seen in this movie. I've watched movies where you're supposed to hate every character, yeah. and I've liked characters more. I don't know who in this character I was supposed to like. I guess it was Charlie Sheen, but he spent 90% of the movie making the Charlie Sheen face where like his mouth's like just a little open and I'm like and like he's like looking at the camera in the way that he knows is sexy. Like he spends too much of the movie doing that, but also his character is garbage and inside trades the second he gets the chance. My favorite oh my god, there's so much I want to talk about about this movie. <laughs> I love when you first see Michael Douglas, like and he's at like bank of nineties computers and like you can tell they're going for like high powered nineties. And I'm like, oh it's nineteen eighty five, Devin. It, it says uh, right at the beginning, 1985. It, it does, doesn't it? And this was yes, even made does. in the eight, in 87. So, like, it's that's totally my bad. Or, like, <laughs> oh, it, and, 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 oh, God, it's just so beautiful the way they, like, make these characters spout jargon like they're smart people not saying nothing. My favorite, favorite part was Carolyn. I think it's Carolyn, the, the lady who was like, I want to do for interior design what so-and-so did for soft interiors. I want to make new bespoke affordable antiques i'm like then they're not antiques you're not making antiques like you're saying you want nothing and then she's like let me arrange your house i'm gonna have it in and it's like plates glued to the wall i'm like i don't even like you or the <laughs> here's my favorite part sorry i'll stop ranting in a second my favorite part is that their rich person dinner that they have now that they're rich people is spaghetti and sushi what is happening in this movie <laughs> What was it with sushi in the 80s? That looked I don't disgusting. Know. It looked like they put a slug on top of rice. Because the meat's not as, uh, isn't as like arf, uh, artificially fused with color as it is nowadays. I, I can I, accept that. I, I can't. I, yeah. I also realize that I am too staunchly practical for a lot of the stuff in this movie. Like when he purchased a nigiri roller i'm like thanks two days a year you're gonna use that kitchen gadget <laughs> okay, uh, so i know that I wasn't love... thoughts on the movie and that was incoherent nonsense it's... okay so your, your overall thought your impression like your first experience like that whole thing let's try to tail back to that <laughs> my god okay i had so much fun with this movie okay, in good. such that that there were just it, that just everything about that were like i laughed whenever their fancy dinner was sushi and spaghetti i laughed whenever like she's like let me do your house and it was nothing and then like oh it just it was such a and like when Martin Sheen came in, is like, I'm blue collar worker, but I got the right of it. And I'm like, of course you do, Charlie, or Martin Sheen. You keep going, man. Like, the movie is so readily apparent with what it does. Like, it signals yeah. that all of its characters are garbage people the second they're on screen. And it doesn't stop doing that. But, like, it was, it was fun, despite me hating everything about it. 
That's those are my real thoughts on this movie. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so, I, so going going off of what Devin said, I think the only character who is likable in this is Martin Sheen. But he's supposed to be. Like yeah, I, know, I, I feel but, like yeah. But and it works. Like he is the only one that is likable. Uh, because he's the only one who's making sense and like sees things as they are, and like Charlie, she's like, "No, it's not, Dad. Don't say that about my friend." Like, <laughs> you want to talk this way to Emilio Estevez? So, guys, this movie hit me at such a weird time too, because like this movie could have been today. Like you could remake Wall Street now and call it NFT, and like the movie stays the same. Dad, we're making NFTs your airline. It'll be totally great. You don't get it. Uh, it's just a flash in the pan, son. Why aren't you proud of me and what I've done? Like, you could make it now. Like, this movie is, like, inadvertently timeless. I and Oh, I love and hate it for as, that. As long as, as long as we have the economic system and the availability to, to buy stuff on a whim and sell it and not really own it, truly own something physical this movie will stay timeless as long as that's you know able to be done i mean you could do the same thing with bitcoin or any Mm -hmm. type of e-currency you could do the same thing v bucks yes exactly (laughs) yeah so i mean there's that okay so let's get to i just want to go over i mean there's a lot about this movie i was doing research and i didn't want Uh to spend two hours talking about this so i whittled it down to like we're going to talk a little bit about the meaning of the movie later on, but I just mm-hmm. want to get a sense for like how you guys feel about the performances in it. And since Alan brought up Charlie Sheen, let's just drive through that brick wall now. Um, <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Sheen pre his, you know, I'm a rock star from Mars interview and that whole craziness um, mm-hmm. was one of my favorite actors. And this mm-hmm. movie is one of those reasons why. Because even though Devin, like you said, he tried to do like the whole open mouth and like, you know, look at the screen thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an Oliver Stone movie, and I highly doubt Oliver Stone would, would let him get away with that crap if he didn't want his character to do it. Right, right. To be honest. So to me, that's more of Oliver, uh, of like what Oliver Stone wanted him to do for his character. But the fact that I feel... I feel that Charlie Sheen does a really good job of portraying a uh, of what a adult version of a wannabe is to then doing a um, a really good p- p- performance of someone who's found a conscience in this, and that and that's my t- t- uh, and that's my t- t- uh, takeaway of it. You guys, with all of that whole rock star from Mars thing, like taken out of the picture. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sincerely, I, I did like his performance. I mean, like I said, they yeah. he signals so incredibly early on that he is just a garbage man, oh, and yeah. like, and just is is that. And then he does turn around and he's like, "Oh, okay, here's my conscience. I found it, you know, behind the toilet or something." And then halfway, <laughs> you know, he he does insider trading, but for the good guys. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he he does a believable version of all of that. I think the worst ding that I can give to his like to his performance is I didn't believe that there is any, any, any chemistry between him and, and Carolyn. And we're going to get into that in a little yeah. bit, but yeah. Well, and I, I kind of get where they were going and why there isn't, but I mean, that's otherwise great. I like, yeah, it. I, I think they do a good job 
and I think this is both the storytelling and the performance with Charlie Sheen of showing his character's uh, corrupt corruption increase throughout the film. Like at the beginning, mm-hmm. he's like hesitant to do anything for Gecko, and then by the end of it, he's like wearing sunglasses inside like a complete dickwad. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like it gets super cocky. Like he becomes more sure of himself to a, to the point where it's his own demise. And I think he do, does a good job in the performance of getting there gradually. It's not like a hard turn and he's there automatically. It, it takes mm-hmm. time and little things happen that get him to that point. And I think that's both a storytelling thing and a performance thing. Um, but I, I like that progression. And then the full 180 where he's like, oh, no, wait, this is a mistake like that. It was believable because you had such a gradual rise to that peak douchiness that yeah. when you came back down, it made sense. But you still couldn't really come all the way back from that. Yeah. And that in, in that fall where he finds his conscious and he like get pretty much he leaps before he looks <laughs> uh, where he gets himself in trouble. The scene where he goes to visit his dad in the hospital, um, which would be his character father and his real father father, um, mm-hmm. which I love. I really wanted to, to say that. Um, no, it's a good one. Yeah. The, the inspiration for his performance, talking to his dad when he was in the hospital, came from a real-life situation that he had with his dad, because his dad had a heart attack filming Apocalypse Now in, uh, um, in 79. And oh, wow. so he took his conversation he had with his dad in real life in the hospital when he had the heart attack and pretty much just redid it again. Wow. Uh, and so his dad realized what he was doing mm-hmm. in the middle of the scene. And that's why his dad was acting the way he was on the bed, because he was trying to control his emotions because he was supposed to be on the bed, have you know, for, 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 from from having a heart attack really worn out. And he was mm-hmm. about to, like, ugly cry in the bed, which is something that he didn't think he could actually do in the state that his character was in. So that's why, you know, uh, uh, the he turned um he turned his head away but you could see his eyes were beat red during that scene that's a really cool fact about that scene that i wish i knew while i was watching because i yeah. like that i really appreciate that yeah that makes me want to go back and rewatch that scene at least yeah and that's why you've got like that scene i absolutely love it um so let's let's go from charlie well, sheen real quick to, before, okay good, while yes. we're still on the hospital scene Devin, yes are you disappointed mm-hmm. that uh, since Martin Sheen is playing Charlie Sheen's uh, father, that they didn't get Emilio Estevez to come in and play Charlie Sheen's brother because he's his brother. Because <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed. That would have been really fun, though. It would have been. <laughs> um, so let's get to Charlie Sheen's girlfriend in this and their chemistry. Um, because there's a lot behind the scenes on this. But I really want to get your guys's like issues with her out of the way before I bring any of that up, because either you're going to like be like, oh, that's why, or you're going to be like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel like I'm gonna put my foot all the way in my mouth, and you're gonna make me. You're gonna make me do it. But here it goes. Her character is garbage. She is everyone. <laughs> she is everyone in the interior design industry that I used to work with. It's like I'm reinventing the way people think about sofas, and it's like, no, you're not. You put a, a nightstand next to it, and those belong in the bedroom. You're not reinventing how people think about sofas. You are not doing anything great. You're putting paper plates against the wall and coloring them red. I was so distracted by that stupid piece of art she put with like the mouths. I get that it was symbolic. Who does that? They eat there. I don't know. Everything about everything that her character did just annoyed me in a very personal and really like like incomprehensible and not relatable in anyone else way. The uh, it's a it's totally a personal issue. The the worst okay, thing fine. with the worst thing with her design <laughs> is like that table where Gecko like puts the plate down and it just falls to the ground. And she's like, "Oh, it's okay." Max does that all the time. I'm like, "Then that's not a good table." Like the the function of a table is I should be able to take a cup or a plate or a book and put it on the table and it stays there. It doesn't go falling down through the flo- to the floor. You are not thinking like an interior designer, Alan. The purpose of the table is not to set things on. Goodness, you do not set things on the good table. The purpose of that table is to control the flow of energy going through the room and out the door so you have that positive flow while you're sitting in the room. You can really tell he used to Alan, my point is that's not the good table if it has a hole in it. That's not a good table. I can put whatever the hell I want on it. Mm, no, well, okay. if only you were a bougie stockbroker, you'd understand what a good table is. Okay, But I, so... I'm a podcaster in the year 2022. What are you going to do? Okay, so I'm going to start this off by asking a question. Did okay. you guys notice that it was kind of really weird to only introduce Gecko's wife, like, once? Yeah. In the middle of the film? Yeah. When the, yeah, that that was weird, right? Their whole thing was, was yeah, didn't make okay. any sense. The actress that played Gecko's wife wanted to play that character, the interior designer character. Oh, oh. man. She, she, she felt... Oh. She felt she felt that the actress that they picked was not right for the role. Um, the mermaid from the Tom Hanks movie. Uh, Daryl <laughs> Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Thank you, Daryl Hannah. <laughs> she did not feel that Daryl Hannah was a good pick for the role, and a lot of other people felt the same way. And obviously, you two do as well, because mm. Devin, didn't you say you didn't like their chemistry before? No, no yeah. I didn't. So. A lot of people felt that way, but Oliver Stone felt like he had already committed to oh. Daryl and, uh, and couldn't back out of it. So the reason why Gecko's wife is not in the movie as much, because there were a ton of scenes filmed with her, mm-hmm. she would show up to set late, she'd purposely not go over the lines, not practice, she wow. would leave set in the costume that they would put her in purposely. She did everything she could to disrupt to show Oliver Stone that she was mad that she didn't get that role. Okay. And okay. so they pretty much cut her out of the whole movie. Uh. Okay. You know who this actress is, right? That plays his wife. I, I saw her name once or twice when I was reading stuff, and I can't remember it off the top of my her, head. So. It's Sean Young. Okay, Sean Young. That's who, who it is. Who yeah. was in Blade Runner. Devin, she played Rachel in Blade Runner. Oh, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's Einhorn in uh, Ace Ventura. <laughs> uh, she's infamous for campaigning for the role of Catwoman in Batman Returns to the point where she went on a talk show. I can't remember if it was Donahue or Oprah, one of those early 90s talk shows in a black leotard 
to campaign for this role of of Catwoman, like and was like meowing wow. and like playing with yarn and shit. Um, Ooh, yeah. Uh, she's so, pretty. She was pretty out there back in the day. I don't want to say anything yeah. about her now, but um, yeah. She, so, she I, the, hearing that from you about her in this movie, I'm not surprised at all. So there was, and her attitude disrupted the entire filmmaking process and actually the storyline. There was supposed to be a subplot where Charlie Sheen's character and her have an affair behind Gecko's back, and that's oh, wow. why. And that's why at the end, Gecko is so mad at Charlie Sheen that his outburst of actually punching him was was because he was supposed to have found out that there was an affair going on between his wife and and him. Um, so there's that. Uh, but Charlie Sheen also put a note on her back that the crew supposed that he supposedly put a note on her back during one of their scenes that yeah. none of the crew told her about until later that said, "I am a c-word." <laughs> Oh no! Oh so, no! So uh, there's that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But apparently that happened. So their chemistry was not well at all either. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like they could have definitely picked someone else to play that character. Um, and Devin, I understand. I understand what you mean about '80s, like you know, contemporary design. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I kind of understood everything that she was doing. <laughs> When I was I mean, watching and, it, and like really I good for you. I mean, because like she mentioned the whole th- because when Charlie Sheen mentioned about his apartment, and she said, "Oh, I mean the bare brick wall," you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. And they put up a they put up a fake brick wall in the apartment, and then cover mm-hmm. it with with like fake plaster to make it look like the wall was coming down. Yeah, yeah. And then putting like gold leaf in places, and like. Uh, this is two eighties. This is really two eighties. The gold leaf is where they lost me. Like I, I like the look <laughs> of the fake fake brick a little bit. Yeah. But once they started adding stuff to it, it was like, okay, that's just that's just too much. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit too much. It was pure. Much, I much. mean, it was, it was, it was pure eighties. So I mean, there's that. Um. So are we good on 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 her? That yeah. And, that they and probably by the way, she's Darian. Else. I re- I forgot about that. I was calling her yeah. Carol. She's Darian. Whoops. Yeah. It's um, fine. But do, do, do you I'll, feel I'll that they could have? Do you feel that they could have casted someone else for the role? Because I, you know, in, in I general, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's an award-winning performance. She won the Razzie that year for worst yeah. actress. So. <laughs> she did. She did. She did. Is that what this won a Razzie for? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Th- that's what this won a Razzie for. Um, um, but she's good as a mermaid. But yeah. Not... <laughs> it also won an Oscar though. It did. It, yeah, yeah, Ryan. That was me setting you up to talk about the next actor you're supposed to. Douglas, <laughs> Michael Douglas, actor. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he yeah, won. I I, I, um, best actor, obviously. Yeah. Um. So I, I just, I just want to get a few points out of the way so I don't forget them. Mm-hmm. One, he based his uh, character off of the at the time the coach for the LA Lakers. So his like outburst and yelling and the way he carried himself, he modeled mm-hmm. him off of the coach of the Lakers from the eighties. Um, he also read a ton of books um, to like get, you know, to actually get knowledge about the stuff. So, so, mm-hmm. so he wasn't just like repeating lines. He actually knew somewhat of what he was talking about um, to actually get that down in his performance. Mm-hmm. And the funny part was the writer that helped Oliver Stone write this movie modeled, uh, uh, Gecko's speech pattern off off of Oliver Stone's. 
So w- oh, when funny. so when Gecko's like talking on the phone and he's just like rapid fire saying stuff, he's pretty much doing all. He's pretty much doing a Oliver Stone impression. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. And um, but yeah, I mean, he's to me, he's what makes this movie. When I watch this movie, I don't watch it for Charlie Sheen, even though I like his performance in it. Mm-hmm. I watch this movie for Gecko. And that's really it. Okay. Admittedly speaking, I I have to say that his performance was good because I didn't like him at all as a character. Be- yeah. But I think that's because I didn't like, I don't like that kind of person. Like, and I feel like nothing that that character did seemed like it, it didn't fit. So I think he did a really good job portraying this character that I just don't like. But I want to know what about the the actor, and, and I don't mean this in a leading or like mean way, but like what about the actor or the character or the performance wasn't just kind of like generic, I'm rich because I'm rich. Like if, if the tagline for the movie is greed is good, then that's essentially just the character that they made. Like, what part of his performance elevated it for you to that that's what you want to watch it for? And again, I'm I'm just curious. Like, I'm not, like, saying it in a mean way or anything. I do well, think his performance can, is great. Can, can, I, can I take that one? Because I think I... I yeah, sure. Take, Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, it's, it's not just the performance of Gordon Gecko. It's how manipulative he is in the story. Like, he's putting all of these different pieces into play early on. Like, getting Bud to tell him about his dad at the airline and like he knows from the beginning what his plan is going to be and then like you see him behind the curtain like doing things behind bud's back and like the just the the evilness like he he's a he's the a wall street supervillain pretty much like mm-hmm. he has everything planned out meticulously and like execute his executes his plan so well that charlie sheen almost can't stop him but mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's part of it. it. The fact that he's pretty much what you would call nowadays like a vulture capitalist, mm-hmm. where he's looking for businesses he can buy and basically liquidate and mm-hmm. sell off, or buy and actually like make or you know actually find stuff that you know that like suits him. But pretty much what 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 they show is what he does. He buys companies, he gets investment because he knows on the back end he can pretty much look, you know, he can own and then sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and now that we're talking about it, I did like that aspect of it a lot where you kind of saw him like the whole time he's like elevating like Charlie Sheen's character and they're like riding their little dune buggies and he's got in like, oh, even the line where Charlie Sheen's like, I didn't know how poor I was till I became rich or something like that. Yeah. I just, oh, you, you feel so bad for him. Cause you're like, man, he's playing you so hard. Yeah. And, and like, then, I don't think, yeah, I would have had that emotion if I guess Michael Douglas wasn't doing yeah. such a good job. And the first time I saw this movie, I had no intention. Or I had no knowledge about it the first time I watched it. So I mm-hmm. didn't know what was going on in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the part that set up a red flag for me was when he was signing the contract at Gecko's like beach house. Yep. And he was saying like, "You have power of attorney," which, which means this all yep. falls on you. And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'd be handing the pen over and say sorry, I'm out, and then get you know and call for a taxi and leave." Like. Yeah. But, um, but 
the thing with me and what makes the character not just like a generic villain is the fact that Gecko tells Charlie uh, a fox uh, tells Fox that like I started out like you I was a broker mm-hmm. and then he made himself who he was just by playing the game that he pretty much developed or got from someone else mm-hmm. and that's uh, and that's where like this character regardless if that's a lie or a truth it's enough of a background for me to be invested in the character and see what happens and besides that speech he gives the the greed is good mm-hmm. like that speech and that line is regarded to be one of the top 100 lines of like film yeah and and you know now that you guys are talking about it i think my biggest problem with his character isn't the performance and isn't even the character but it's the what the real life analog to that character looks like yeah and how the real life analog to that character is regarded because that character, minus the whole like getting in trouble for it at the end part, is the Wall Street genius, is the guy you want to be. Like, mm-hmm. and, and they even show some of that in the movie. Like Gordon Gecko's on magazines. Gordon Gecko is, you know, a household name because he's this, you know, super smart, super suave, you know, always knowledgeable broker. Uh, and yeah, okay, yeah. My problem is this is a personal problem, man. I have a yeah, problem yeah. with people like that and not with his performance. And, Thank you. It, and I do too, but yeah. I appreciate what this film is doing, and yeah, what, um, and and what his character rep, uh, rep, rep, represents, and that's one mm. of the reasons why I, I can only watch this movie like to, like once every two years. <laughs> How? And I can definitely tell you, not during not, uh, and I can definitely tell you, not not during a uh, recession either. <laughs> yeah. I've got to ask, how many times do you watch Wall Street Never Sleeps? It's a sequel that came out twenty six. I I I tried to watch it once and I fell asleep through it. And to be honest, I've didn't really like Shia LaBeouf in it. And because wow. I mean, and I'm not crapping on him. There are movies I like him in. I feel like he is a good actor. It just depends on what he's doing, and that's just not one of those movies. Okay. This brings me to a really weird question. How did you guys watch the movie? Like through through what service? Do you own this on DVD, Ryan? I own it on DVD. Okay, yeah. Alan, how did you watch this? It was on HBO Max for me. This was on Disney Plus for me. <laughs> Are you serious? It's on yeah. Disney Plus. Hundred percent. Gordon Gecko is a Disney prince. I love it. It's got to be in that adult section. It I, it has Plus. to be. All I know is that like I literally searched it on my TV, which is like connects to to Disney Plus. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll watch it. And it brought up Disney+. Plus. And then after this, it recommended DuckTales. Okay, so that, that's funny. Um, <laughs> because that gets me to something with Charlie Sheen's character that I wasn't going to bring up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys seen the Denzel Washington movie Flight? I think yes. it's called Flight. Yeah, okay, I really like have... that movie. Okay, so the scene where Denzel Washington wakes up in the hotel room and, like, mm-hmm. the flight attendant's in there with him and they do, like, the full dude scene of her walking through the hotel room to the camera. Yeah. Okay, they do the same thing with, the, I'm mm-hmm. going to assume it's a prostitute in uh, in Wall Street with, with, you know, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. I feel like there's a connection there that I would not be surprised if the people who made Flight wanted to show at the start of the movie the path that Denzel Washington's character was going to go on by basically copying that scene. That's a good point. Cause that foreshadows the whole movie. It does like, foreshadow the whole movie. Wow. That's really cool. I didn't think about in that both at movies, all. It does. It, 
In both movies, it does the exact same thing. Never, never wow. seen, never seen Flight. It's worth it. Maybe we'll get you to watch it. Yeah. Um, if only we had a platform for that. <clears throat> I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, so he's the main reason why I watch this movie. It's the main reason why I like it. And he, my favorite scene from this movie involves him. And it involves the climax to what I think of the climax of, of the film is. And that's and that's where Charlie Sheen goes in to confront uh, where uh, Fox goes in. Sorry, where Fox goes in and confronts uh, uh, the Geico Gecko um, for <laughs> um, uh, for what he's doing to Blue Star. Yeah, um, I love that scene because there's only two cuts in uh, in that scene and both of those cuts happen right towards the middle part of their conversation and those two cuts happen within five seconds and they all do that one shot from that last cut to where over the shoulder everything from uh right before he does that speech of like how wealth is distributed in the u.s Mm -hmm is where they do that last cut. Everything from there to when Gene leaves the office is one giant take. And I love that. I have to go back the and kid, rewatch yeah. that scene now too, because um, I like me a good long take. So yeah, like it's, it, it, it <clears throat> it's great. Cause I mean, he walks in confronts, they stand up and they're talking right by his bar, by where the sofas are. And mm-hmm. then they do the whole cut like over the shoulder with mm-hmm. them talking to each other. And then right before he walks over to the bar and they do the actual like explanation of what's going on, it's all one giant take between the between the two of them. And it just to me, it's one of the it, it's the best scene in the movie. I really like that. There, there was more unconventional camera work in this movie than I thought there was going to be. Because I, I like noticed, I mean, for me, it was a little jarring when they would like, they'd pan the camera more than I thought they'd pan the camera a few times. And there were a few more long takes, like like you had said, than I was expecting, yeah. which is very cool. Like, that's, that's something that I didn't expect from a movie like this. Yeah. Um, so before we get to anything else, mm-hmm. if you guys want to, my last thing is the one thing that always takes me out of this movie for like a few seconds to a minute, something that I just have to like process because I always forget it. This movie is set in the summer of 85 is when this film takes place because Mm -hmm. he goes to see, uh, uh, he goes to give him his box of cigars on May 6th. Yeah. So, 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 so so, so this happens during the summer Mm -hmm. when prior to all this happening and him and the guy from scrubs are like razzing each other, a little mm-hmm. bit. They yeah. mentioned the, they mentioned the Challenger explosion. The Challenger yeah. explosion happened in January of eighty six. What? When this movie is supposed to be taking place in the summer of eighty five? Do- <laughs> That's awkward. I didn't even. <laughs> it catch is that. awkward. It is very awkward for me, it, and it's just one of those small things. <laughs> I, I'm guessing the the year was added in post then, because you have the same thing with uh, the film adaptation of Rent. Like in one of the songs, one of the characters mentions Thelma and Louise, but the movie takes place during 1989, like two years before Thelma and Louise came out. Oh, yeah. right. So, yeah. and, I, so and I know, and I know for the adaptation, 
for the film adaptation of Rent, they added the year. The year was not part of it before that. They just needed to date it for yeah. prosperity's sake. So Yeah. Yeah, so that's one of those things that I always kind of like like why is you it's like this this isn't eighty five. <laughs> so That's ooh, I, I think those are funny things though. I always like that. I'm now looking up like goofs in the movie. But like those are those are always funny though. Yeah, they are. And that's one of the things that always like Kind of takes me out of it r- real quick, but I, um, I have a goof that yeah. I just read about for the sequel. Um, yeah. So Devin Gordon Gecko's kid does he have a son or a daughter? He uh, has a son. He's three years old. He's smartest in his class. Yeah, and the sequel is his, it, he has a daughter. <laughs> did they just like stop talking? Did they like? Did he have a daughter who never made screen no, appearances same, same here? Kid. And then, no, it's supposed to be the same kid. <laughs> Did the Shia LaBeouf fall in love with the daughter? Yeah, there he's his fia- her fiance. Thanks, I hate it. Stop it, movie. And part of the movie is basically the fact that he's trying to get to find a relationship again with his estranged daughter. Like that's part of the plot of the movie. And then Shia LaBeouf spends a weekend at their house, a la Meet the Fockers. Got it. Actually, no. Well, here Shia. Shia LaBeouf is already involved with his daughter. He gets out of prison, writes mm-hmm. a book. Shia LaBeouf gives him the Shia Ant-Man LaBeouf. suit. <laughs> Shia, Shia, Shia LaBeouf uh-huh. um, meets Gordon, and mm-hmm. they kind of form a uh, they kind of form a uh, business relationship mm-hmm. um, on the deal that he helps him like reconnect with his daughter, which eventually does happen. But but you have a lot of Wall Street stuff kind of happen in mm-hmm. in uh in between all of that but i really wasn't too impressed by it like i thought it was going to be more about like modern like wall street when it came out but it was set in like the year 2000 mm-hmm. so like oh really that's dumb yeah <laughs> so like none of the stuff that happened in wall street like that you know actually crapped like the the yeah. economy for like seven years um didn't really well actually crapped wall street more than anything else um didn't really like get in there here's what i want i want the rocky balboa of this franchise i want a geriatric gordon gecko trying to use a modern mac to do stock trading and like i want that movie and then i want someone to introduce into nfts and just watch his eyes melt out of his nose. Like No, what I please. want is a short of Gordon Gecko mm-hmm. at a retirement home while somebody's trying to show him how to use Robin Hood. <laughs> I, I'm a bit I'm a bit more curious, like we talk about Gordon Gecko in the sequel. I'm more curious to see where Charlie Sheen's character winds up. Yeah, did they not address I, him? I, I can tell you. Yeah. Okay, so he actually did a ter- he actually did a terrific job uh, with Blue Star. Blue Star is now like one of the main air uh, uh, is like one of the main carriers, um, just kind of like you know like American Airlines, like it's that big. Mm-hmm. Um, he sold it for millions and millions of dollars, and now he's just kind of like living off that, and Good. he's successful. He gets. He gets the happy ending. He gets the happy ending, and mm-hmm. he gets what he wants, which was to keep Blue Star around. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I 
I, I don't know that I could have seen a different way for his character to go unless he like spent the rest of his life in jail or something. Yeah, so I mean, he's only in it for a little bit, but I mean, they definitely wrap up that care that you know that character's Wait, storyline. So he's actually in the sequel. From what I remember, yeah, again, like I fell asleep like halfway through it, and I woke up at one point, and I realized, man, it's late, and I turned it off, and I went to bed, and I haven't like a lot of what I know from when I was asleep, I know from looking stuff up about it because I wanted to know, and it's been years since then, so. Okay. They actually have his picture on the wall of one of the hangers of <laughs> Blue Star. And that's where they got the inspiration for uh Well, the I got to say Independence Day. So I'm I'm happy that I was able to get you guys to watch this. Yeah. Um this is part 1 of my revenge uh for the um, for the McGruber movie. Um <laughs> Because there is a very important joke that I think we can, you guys. Okay, so now you guys know that uh, that Mister Sheen was in Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. and do you guys know that Charlie Sheen was in Platoon? Yeah. Yes. Okay, then we can skip. Then then we can skip both of those. So my revenge is is not going to last as long as I thought it was going to. Awesome. I mean, I still like both of those movies and be happy to watch them. I still haven't seen any I, of those movies, so we will watch them eventually. But I really want to get to my revenge, so okay, we're just good. gonna bypass those for now because that because that's all you really need to know. Yeah. You really <laughs> well, that being said, uh, I don't really have anything else for Wall Street. Devin, do you? No, this was. I mean, it was fun. I like I said, yeah. garbage characters, fun movie. Garbage characters, fun movie. Mm-hmm. I like the message that this movie has. Um, this movie is dedicated at the end of the film to Oliver Stone's father, who mm-hmm. was a stockbroker. Um, and I just, this is my like here. Here's you. You want the moral of the story? You want to know how you know the American business system works? There you go. Have fun. check out Wall Street. Have fun, right. you scamp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay well i think that does it for this week's uh topic which is wall street so we talked a bit at the beginning of the beginning of the show about oscar nominations so if you're watching live go back and check out the beginning of the stream after we're done or check out the episode when it's released tomorrow on podcasting platforms um a lot of the oscar nominated films are available to stream so i've got a proposition for you guys do we want to just spend the next few weeks just doing oscar nominated stuff for this year totally fine with me because i know at that point i will have at least seen them yeah because i know at least one that you guys have seen that i haven't which is in Kanto. Mm -hmm. so uh i'm gonna start that off next week i think good um I'd rather be yelled at by Ollie, but I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, my pick for next week is Power of the Dog with Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, and Kirsten Dunst on Netflix. I can't really describe this film. I did. I went into it not knowing much, so I want you guys to do the same. Uh, I, I've been holding on to this one for when it got nominated for all the Oscars to do it on the show. Um. Because I'm, I think we can have a very good conversation about this movie, and it's definitely mm-hmm. worth me going back to revisit. So, um, yeah. So that's my pick: uh, "Power of the Dog" on Netflix. 
Uh, and we'll be talking about that hopefully next week. Uh, we might yeah. change things up a bit before then, but if we do, you can find out on our Facebook page, our Instagram, our TikTok, um, our Twitter feed, which I should be using more. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you're watching on Twitch, go ahead and hit that follow button. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Um, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. You can listen to You Have to Watch This Podcast on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Audible. Um, until next time for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And greed is not good. Not good. No. No. <laughs> One out of ten do not recommend. <laughs> we'll see you next week.